Welcome to Backboard Banter on the board with your hosts, Matt Middleton and Kevin Rayner, where the banter's as ferocious as my excitement for the NBA season, my friend. It is upon us. We are getting preseason games tomorrow. Let's go. It's finally here. We've waited weeks. We've waited months. We had the whole offseason to deal with, but finally we got a game. I mean, it is Wizards versus Warriors tomorrow, so it's not amazing, but hey, at least it's a game of basketball. It's something, man. It's something to talk about. We, we're out here reviewing divisions, trying to stretch as much content as we possibly can. Um, and now we're going to actually have stuff to to really talk about. You know, we, we took last week off. You were at a wedding. Um, so let's let's go back to Euro basketball, man, because we were still talking about it. And our, our teams got eliminated. You know, all the boys. Who would have thought that Bo Cruz is going to win Finals MVP over a guy like Giannis, Luka, or Nikola Jokic, man. People were so surprised when the three gods kind of fell out of that tournament. And for Spain to win this tournament after all of their old guard has basically retired and moved on, shout out to Sergio Scariolo, the legend himself, Raptors assistant coach. But yeah, Bo Cruz, the man put up 27 points on, I'm sorry, seven of nine for three to win that game. Like, Absolutely legendary performance from a new Raptor. Hopefully, he can continue it going into the rest of the season. Dude, uh, that's the most exciting part for me, man. Seven of nine on threes. Like, that is some really, really good stuff for us. Because at the end of the day, that's what our team was really lacking last year. It's just that consistent guy. Um, you know, I was watching the, the media day stuff. And, and Bobby Webster, you know, he calls it that release valve. Just yeah. a guy that you know is going to hit the three when you get him open. And that's what we have, I think, in Otto Porter Jr. And in uh, Hertz and Gomez. So... Hopefully they pan out, but hey, man, I'm getting getting ahead of myself here. Yeah, we're going to break it down more and see if these guys are going to be the next Svi Mikhailuk, the next Matt Thomas, but again, we don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. So, Bro, don't even anything else from Media Day that was exciting for you? You know, I thought it was pretty hilarious the way that the Lakers are trying to come together, Pat Bev being his classic self, you know, Jimmy Butler trolling everybody with his curls, but, you know, at least all the boys are back in the gym working out. Hey, man, it's just nice to have the whole NBA season kind of starting up. Everybody's back. Um, yeah, there, I thought it was pretty funny, Jimmy, showing up like that. Uh, some people were calling him, like, the Pokemon evolution of Anthony Edwards, um, which I suppose was hilarious. <laughs> um, but, yeah, there's some good stuff, you know. But it's the ultimate optimism season right now, right? Nobody's actually played a game. No, Everyone's 100% healthy. Everybody's lost weight. Everybody's put on muscle. Everybody, you know, is in the best shape of their life. And we're about to have, you know, 30 teams that win 50 games, right? That, that's <laughs> that's, that's kind of where we're at at this point. <laughs> he wants it, right? There's a lot of positivity around the league, except for in one place. There's one place that has a bit of doom and gloom. And that's the Phoenix Suns, you know? Nobody looks amazingly happy. DeAndre Ayton looks absolutely checked out. He looks like he is waiting for a January trade to come. But all of this to do with the fact that, you know, Sarver is actually selling the team. They've pushed him out. An interesting situation turned into hopefully a good thing down the line. Yeah. No, absolutely, man. I mean, last time we talked about it, I didn't think that they'd be able to push him out. Um, but hey, they, they figured out a way to get him to, to sell that team. And it, it's probably the right decision, uh, with his track record. Um, it's just like crazy to think that this man was in the NBA for that long and allowed to do this kind of stuff. So, Hey, whatever he's out now, man. So 
good good and gone, right? Good riddance. Nobody cares. I mean, exactly. And I mean, I'm not even going to speculate on who the owner's going to be that, to take over this team. There's, you know, a couple of billionaires everyone's talking about, blah, blah, blah. Not the point. The interesting thing for me is the fact that, you know, DeAndre Ayton looks so checked out. Even Chris Paul does not look happy. Jay Crowder is requesting a trade. The Phoenix Suns window might officially be closed. Unless Devin Booker can actually have an MVP season that the world seems to think he's capable of, it's not looking good in Phoenix. Bro, he is not an MVP caliber player. As much as I like Devin Booker and I think he's like an all NBA caliber player, I think there's a distinct difference between being an MVP guy and being all NBA. And I think last year, a lot of the MVP vote that he got was based on the fact that they were the number one team in the NBA, that they were this juggernaut. But when you think about the Phoenix Suns winning, I don't necessarily make it synonymous with Booker. It's more synonymous with CP3 for me. Personally, like, what had they done before he got there? And they had Devin Booker. And they had Devin Booker who had scored 72 points in a game. So it's not like he was bad. He's just not an MVP caliber player to me. All NBA, cool. But yeah, man, the Suns, I don't think they're going to, you know, explode this year. My my favorite storyline is that the Phoenix Suns were like speed running their way from a rebuild all the way to contender, and it seems that they're speed running their way back to the other end. You know, going from contender to potentially back down. Because if Aiden wants out, if Booker can't be who he wants to be, CP3 is only getting older. Who knows what could happen with this roster and this team? Yeah, and man, it's so funny because um, you ever watch Pardon the Interruption with Mike Wilbon and uh, Tony Kornheiser? And Wilbon has a house in Arizona, and he's always been on the Phoenix Suns. I remember he's always like, when they got Devin Booker, you know, they're two years away from, from being competitive, and he would constantly say that on the show. And they never actually were competitive. So you're, you're comment about a quick rebuild, man. Only when CB3 got there did they fast track that thing, because that thing was a slow burner for a while. The, the quick rebuild comes out of the idea that before the NBA bubble, they were irrelevant. And they won all those games, and then all of a sudden, they were legit now. So they, they seem to come out of nowhere, and just, you know, like a hot flaming sun, they're going to dissipate eventually in the future. But I think that's enough for Phoenix, in my mind. We can roll over Anthony Edwards. We don't really need to talk about him, besides the yeah, fact that, man. like, nobody seems to care anymore. And, you know, hopefully something will come out of the situation, but the guy seems to have forgotten that he made some poor comments. Yeah, man. Look, $40,000 means nothing to this guy. It's sad to see um, that the NBA kind of has a has a double standard way that they, they treat people. I think that, um, you know, the anti-Semitic comments, uh, racial comments, uh, homophobic comments, anything like that, like, you are, you should be suspended a month. Like, it should be, you lose game time, you lose game checks, um, because, like, we... We just can't have that, man. And it needs to be a serious punishment. If we're going to hold people to standards, we got to hold everyone to these standards and we got to make sure that, that we've rooted out. Because if you allow some people to use it, like it's going to creep back into the game. So you don't want that. No, exactly. Sure. You know, whether it's community service or something, like hopefully it just doesn't get brushed under the rug. Because if it gets brushed under the rug, you get a situation where like somebody like Sarver who's in charge of a team for 13, 14, Way 15. too long. Exactly, right? So... Hopefully more comes out of it, but it's kind of the end of the situation now. We can move on. I want to touch on the CBA real quick because there's a conversation going on about trying to get the draft age to get back down to 18, you know, yep. maybe get rid of that one-and-done rule. The reason I think it's hilarious is because if it happens, it lines up perfectly with LeBron's free agency for Bronny to go straight to the NBA if he wants. You know, it's the classic LeBron story every time. 
Hey, man. Honestly, I think that they should allow that option for for young kids to enter the draft, like right out of high school. Um, honestly, sometimes it might produce more of a bust potential, anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's really up to each each kid on how they want to proceed. Uh, if they feel that they're ready for the NBA, it's not a bad place to go and get drafted and be on a professional team and play in the G League, um, and that way you don't have to like go to the Ignite, even though the Ignite still a pretty good team man they they do well they get paid Perfect um, success, so. yeah. yeah and so at the end of the day like i think it's a it's a good option um like but how many one and done players have really made amazing impacts in the nba i think you can count them in, in at least two one hand two hands most and there's a lot of i mean i don't know a ton about you know college ball we pay attention to as much as we do over here um but when it comes down to it, like, I'm sure that there are a ton of schools that are one-and-done program schools, which, you know, isn't the best idea to oh, yeah. really create success. So, I mean, I say that, meanwhile, you know, the Blue Devils and, you know, Coach K and what they achieved all the years with their one-and-done talents. So. Yeah, well, I think in college basketball specifically, you have to have the appropriate amount of talent around you mm-hmm. in order to facilitate that one-and-done being the kind of superstar that you need to put you over the top, right? And if you get the right one-and-done talent... They do put you over the top. So, like a, hey, a certain Zion Williamson, who they should have won that. I, I got to bring him up real quick before we talk about one thing and get into the Atlantic. Because that Michigan I know State Matt, game. Oh, sad times, you know, bringing back the memories. But Bro. the kid looks ready. Him and CJ look really excited. You know, I know we talked about them a while ago, but I can't not bring up the Pelicans for Matt today. They look ready to go. Dude. Uh, I said it last year. They're going to shock some teams. They're definitely shocking some teams this year. I don't even know if they're shocking teams. They're just going to outright beat teams. And I think uh, Zion at like the 13th best odds to win the MVP, like plus 3,500. I might throw 100 bucks down, man. That was pretty good return. It's you know? not bad, you know. And I, I think, am I correct in saying that CJ McCollum has never been an all-star? Am I, am I correct in saying that? Because I feel like it's true, and for somebody like him who has averaged 20 points for the past, like, six years, and been the player that he has been, I'm excited for Zion to come back and potentially see more of what that dynamic duo can do together. And let's not even forget Brandon Ingram still is there. Bro, I just don't think he has the opportunity to make the All-Star game with, like, all the guards out there. Because, like, you mentioned Devin Booker, then you got to talk about uh, Steph Curry. Clay Thompson's always in that category. Um, you know, there's John Morant. There's, man, how, there's so many guards out west. CP3, like, I'm Drew, missing Drew so Holiday many. even, if you want to talk defense. He used to be, yeah. Right? yeah he's like, out east, though, now. But I, I, yeah, <laughs> right. on his own team, Dude. Damian Lillard, man. Had kept him off that team for years. Like, so I feel bad for CJ, but, like, He's definitely worthy of an all-star selection. That's the reason why I brought it up, because I'm thinking about just, like, the talent level that it seems like the New Orleans Pelicans have slowly brought together to make work. And if Zion has a healthy season, man, guns blazing for this squad for sure. Bro, they're going to be Memphis. Yeah, I mean, I'll give you that. You know, we could see them come out of the West and be that storied new franchise like Memphis has become. You know, great, great idea. Him and, you know, John Zion getting their due beside each other would be pretty fun. I can't lie. Yeah, buddy. It would be a great, great, great story. Uh, so It's going to happen. You know well, it's going to happen. Reason, the main reason I brought up the Pelicans, because I wanted to try to come up with this fun little segue over here, because it's time to talk about Lonzo Ball. Used to be on the Pelicans, a guy that they would have loved to have. But maybe horrible it's looking segue. like, they, yeah, horrible segue, horrible, just kill me. But it looks like maybe the Pelicans made the right decision because Lonzo, as it stands himself, says he can't run, he can't jump. 
this injury that doctors can't seem to figure out is not looking good for the Chicago Ooh. Bulls. Dude, it looks bad. It, like, he's a very, very integral part of that defense and about and the way that they play basketball. To lose him for a full year is going to be catastrophic for their for their team, and it's going to really, really affect the way that they play. And I feel horrible for him because his whole career has been marred by injury. Yeah. Um, he had a lot of promise, you know, compared to Jason Kidd originally, won Summer League MVP, um, came close to, like, averaging a triple-double in his first season in terms of rebounds and assists and points. Like, he, I think he averaged, like, 9-9-9 nine, nine, and nine or something, somewhere around there. Like, he had potential, and it's kind of been drained away from him, sadly. Um, so it's it's really sad to see, man. Um, feel for the guy, right? And you know, Chicago Bulls and point guards. It's just it's a rough world out there for Chicago fans. So you know, I have hope for Demar. You know, we love Demar over here, but when when you look at this roster and what they're gonna have to pull together with it with this Lonzo injury, like. You know, we, we were we were joking about Goran Dragic getting signed. Like, it makes more sense now that they've signed him because he's a guy who wants to have starter minutes. It looks like it's going to be available for him. But, I mean, we talked about the Bulls a few weeks ago. I don't want to get too far into it, but, like, it's sad for Alonso. Man, it's, it's brutal. And if he can't walk on it at the moment, like, it's not looking good. Uh, I... Not... Not at all, my friend. Okay, so Atlantic time. We've made it the last Thank division. You. We've talked for weeks and weeks and weeks, and we've gotten to the one that we always want to talk about. We save it for last every time. As usual, Matt, I'll give you the board. Choose any of the four teams not named the Raptors. Hey, man, I think we should start with um, the team that probably looks the best on paper if uh, a certain someone can return to form. And apparently James Harden's lost 25 pounds. He's in the best shape of his life. The man is more explosive than he was when he was averaging 36 points a game. So uh, pencil in the 76ers in the finals right now or what? I mean, you'd think, right? Like, Joel Embiid wants it. He's been snubbed for MVP multiple years. It looks like they made yep. some great pickups over here with P.J. Tucker and Montrez. Like, it might be it might be at least time to finally break through. Dude, uh, their roster without, um, what's his name? Uh Niang, he like they're nine deep and he was having to play integral minutes for them in the playoff series that they played us that's the scariest part to me is that they added d'anthony melted from yeah. uh, memphis daniel house um i like their draft pick of julian champagne you know i'm a big fan of justin they didn't lose too much either like deandre jordan whatever danny green whatever um i think they replaced him very very adequately with with D'Anthony Melton, and then you add P.J. Tucker and Montrez Harrell, and it's it's a squad, man. Oh yeah, they they seem like they could really really do some damage. I've been high on them for the last few years. I know they got rid of Ben Simmons, but if if James Harden plays MVP caliber, like this is a seventy win team to me. Yeah, I mean James Harden looks to be in the right mood. He's joking that he's lost a hundred pounds to the media when they're asking him. So it looks like the guys are locked in with the right mindset and. If Tyrese Maxey can continue to take the steps that he's been taking the past few years when he's had to, that's just another piece to add around a dominant, dominant big man and a, what we've seen in the past, one of the best ball handling shooters that the NBA has seen, you know? The Rockets never missed the playoffs when they had James Harden. 
And so no. it's looking like it's Philly's time, you know. I can't be excited about it, obviously, you know. I'm still hurt for Danny Green, who basically got destroyed by Joel in last year's playoffs, you know. He's been shooting threes in the gym, though, so, you know, go Danny. I'm pumped for you. But when it comes to Philadelphia, man, like, I have to be in a little bit of pain because I never want to see success for one of our rivals, but they look like the team to beat, for sure. Dude, I hate – it pains me to, to say that they're good, and I hate saying that they're good, but – they are, they are, and they're going to be a deep squad for us to contend with. They're going to push the pace. The only thing that I can see for the Raptors to kind of finish ahead of them in the in the standings is maybe an injury here or there, and and we get healthy, and and maybe some extra development from from Scotty and some other places. But yeah, hey man, like this squad, like you said, Tyrese Maxey stepping it up. If Matisse Thybul can hit a shot. Like, they're going to be a better team. So, the 76ers are a scary, scary team, man, especially after last year. And Joel Embiid hasn't been snubbed, man. He's had just lost out. He's had spectacular seasons, all-time seasons, definitely MVP-worthy seasons. But when people are outdoing you, they're outdoing you. Like, it's not his fault. I don't I don't disagree, man. I gotta I gotta correct myself a little bit. In his mind, in his world, he feels he's been snubbed, so he might come out swinging that way. That's that's where I was trying to go with my my message there. But yeah, man, Philly looks primed and ready to go, and they're the team that I wouldn't want to face as the Raptors, right? You know, you look at the rest of these teams in this division, and they've all kind of got their own issues, and well, each team has a big question mark on whether they can you know hit that next stage, hit that next hump. I think Philadelphia. You know, we've, it's James Harden. That's, it's really just James Harden. Everyone else seems to be lined up. So if James Harden gets set up, that question mark is gone for this team. Yeah, man. And I think the the question mark is how are they going to respond on defense? And are they going to play a high enough level of defense to be a championship caliber roster? The yeah. offense is there, man. Um, with, you know, Tobias Harris being your fourth option, um, and then Montrose Harrell giving you minutes off the bench, PJ Tucker giving you minutes off the bench. Um, it allows Joel Embiid to not have to worry about it. I think they should be fine defensively. I, cause I think PJ and Montrez really add to that and they can switch to defensive lineups. It'll just be whether or not they'll have either fully defensive units or fully offensive units and whether they can, can meld them together enough to, to really stay on the court and have a, a positive effect at both ends. Because I, I can see like having players on for just defense and just offense with this roster. They've got a lot of rotational synergies that may not mesh well, and you're right there. It's going to be both sides of the coin, and it's going to be up to Doc. You know, Doc's got to figure out this roster. Another opportunity for Doc Rivers to have an absolutely stellar lineup and see if he can take it all the way. Will it happen? Time will tell with this squad, my friend. Yeah, man, we'll we'll find out at the end of the year, um, but. You know, count me as somebody who thinks they'll probably make the at least the the second round of the playoffs, and they should be a top three seed in the NBA. I mean, I can't... or in the Eastern Conference. Sorry, sorry. Eastern yeah, Conference. it's hard for sure to be top three overall. But if they're fully healthy, I, I could see it honestly. Like when you when you think about the possibility of of injuries or, or teams not coming together, right? Like in this division, you'd say the Nets are probably their biggest rival at the top. Yeah. We go with that. And, yeah, you know. I, I, that in, in Boston. Um, but if you want to get into Boston, man, we can talk about, you know, the, the black cloud that's swirling around them and why I'm kind of down on them this year. Obviously, you know, they went to the NBA Finals. They looked phenomenal. We both thought they were going to win the NBA Finals. I thought they had a much better team than Golden State. They just didn't show up. 
But at this point, with Ime Udoka and all of that that's going on, with a new coach having to come in and now being a new voice, are they wasting a year of, of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown? That seems to be the conversation that everyone wants to talk about right now. You know, to go from being, you know, the Eastern Conference champions, the team that everyone thinks is going to make that step to finally get over the hump and then falling flat against Golden State, you'd think that they were just going to, you know, pack it all up, bring it together, you know, move on to the next season and rinse and repeat for success. And that's not, not, not going to happen. Because obviously this cloud is a big deal, you know. The the staff has gone to the players and basically said, yeah, he's suspended for a year, don't ask anymore, we're not talking about it. There is something amiss that, you know, you and I don't understand, the players don't understand. There is something else going on here, and whether it's malicious or not, it's going to affect the players and the way they play basketball. So, is it a wasted season? I'm not going to say so yet, because there is a ton of talent, and, you know, Jason Tatum is a an MVP caliber player at his best. He's proven he's a 16-game player, at least. We saw him take over. And let's not even talk about how Jalen Brown was absolutely murdering fools in the playoffs. So is it a wasted season? I'm going to say no. But at the same time, you think about what happened last year, how they rolled out of the gate and were trash. That happens this year. It's a wasted season for sure. Well, I just, yeah, we'll, we'll see how they start and we'll see how it all comes together. They should have a lot more confidence in their ability after going to the finals, right? Oh, yeah. Um, you're right. Jalen Brown, I think, proved to me out of everyone on that roster that he elevates the most in those kinds of situations and in the pressure packed, uh, points and, and Tatum maybe needs to kind of figure that out a little bit more. He kind of fizzled in that finals, but at the end of the day, like having two guys who are all NBA caliber players, cause that's what they are having a center in Robert Williams who can do what he does. Now, I know he's hurt to start the season, which is not great news for them. Yeah. But hopefully he can come back and be fine and and they can keep going. But, like, adding Malcolm Brogdon, Marcus Smart, like, they have a a solid, solid team up and down. And it's just, like, we'll see if they can get the, the most out of them through the coaching staff and, like they should like you have great players so it should be easy right uh most people think coaching doesn't really affect how you how many games you win but we'll see it, it'll be proven this year uh, absolutely you know they they did pick up danilo which i was like hey that's not the best decision but hey he's injured i forget what his injury is but he's not going to be playing so you know go to our celtics i guess MTL. that works out for you. yeah okay so thank you i appreciate that, you know that. Ah, poor guy but yeah so uh, the boston's in a weird situation there's no real way to put it you know, at the end of the day, there is a cloud hanging over the organization and whether that affects the players aggressively or if they can come out and, and you know, bond together as a locker room that is outside of the rest of the organization. You know, if I, I forget who the assistant coach who's taking over, but I know that Boston is scrambling to try to like get a couple of more members for his stop. It's going to be a lot. It's going to be a big speed bump for these guys to do. But, you know, it, they've been, quote unquote, Eastern contenders for the past four or five years with this rebuild now, you know? So uh, they might have the mental power as players to get over it, but we're just going to have to see. It's, yeah, it's a huge question mark. The crazy thing about the whole story to me is that, you know, everyone's saying that this happens regularly in the NBA, that, you know, guys engage in extramarital affairs with people on the staff on a consistent basis. And look, I'm not here to tell people what they can and can't do in their private lives. 
But the severity to which they are punishing him and the way that it's happening is very interesting to think that if it does happen on a consistent basis, why are they going and taking this step? Why are we why are we learning about it? Why have they suspended him for the full year? Why is his future still in limbo after the full year? They could move to, to fire him fully at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. It's a very interesting situation. And to, to waste that year over a mistake, a silly affair, like that should really have no bearing on basketball. I think it's it's kind of crazy man it's a it's a crazy situation and i think that that's gonna mess with the players a lot more too is the the daily questioning about it the daily you know they they struggle people are gonna ask about the coach and then they're gonna have questions about it it's just gonna be a, a circus man and as a raptors fan a all the better for us you you know yeah we we can't be that upset at the end of the day when it comes down to it because you know we we don't want to cheer for other teams in this division. It is how it is. But when it comes to Boston, they're in a weird situation. I mean, we touched on Time Lord really quickly, the whole situation with him in the playoffs last year, how the medical staff maybe said this, maybe they said that. And regardless of the outcome, he's now going under the knife. He's had surgery, and he's going to be out for, I'm pretty sure, at least eight to ten weeks, as far as I remember correctly. Yeah, I thought it was two months, too, just over. And you know what's really funny is that when he was playing on that injury – that Isaiah Thomas was tweeting that, you know, he had heard before from the Boston medical staff that he could play on an injury and it wouldn't get worse. And it basically cost him his career. And now it it might happen to Time Lord again. And I get the urgency of the finals. Like, don't get me wrong. I I get that they had a chance to to take home an NBA title, which is the hardest, one of the hardest things to do. And something that every, all 32 teams set out to do at the beginning of the year. And you yeah, were exactly. right there, right? And you, you need Time Lord to, to get get it done. But you're jeopardizing the future of your whole franchise, man. Like, Time Lord's young. He could fit into this core for the next four years. You might get four or five kicks at this thing. And if you lose him, this could be your only one. Well, he's and imperative. So- he, every time that... You know, one of the main guys had to set up for the Celtics. He's been there. He has been a rock for their center position. So I agree with you completely. Yeah, and if they lose him, like let's say this affects his whole career and he's never the same player, that's going to really dampen their championship expectations. That, yes, you need your number one. You need your Jason Tatum. You need a a Robin and and Jalen Brown. But you also need integral role players and he's a, a massive part of this team and to have this issue man like it's just bad on the celtics franchise like they look so bad with the uh, email story and this story like mm-hmm. it is just hey guys if you don't you know what you want to play for a really great eastern conference team that has storied franchise you know we might not be story, but we will be. Trust. Uh, we're working our way up there, but yeah, when it comes when it comes to Boston, there, it's, it's not good. It's really just not good right now, and we're gonna we're gonna monitor this situation. We're gonna see what happens, and you know we talked about how how important Williams is, but I gotta shout out the other Williams on that squad. You know he was big, oh, Grant. exactly. Grant was fantastic for them as well, so hopefully he can step up to the start of the season and help this team. But dark times for Celtics fans in this moment. And bro, we didn't even really talk about Malcolm Brogdon, which I think is a huge get for this roster. Yeah, that's true. I just like their roster is great. It's just can they come together as a squad? And 
that's something that I'm really liking about our media availability and everything is like everything that's coming out is the continuity between all the players, the fact that we know each other, the fact that we've been here. Um, you know who's been there for a while now? Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And they've done nothing with the Nets, man. Absolutely nothing over their two years. I mean, maybe you could say they were half a shoe size away from an NBA championship. You could but... say. You could say. This is the worst that their prospects have looked in the last three years. I mean, nobody's picking them to go to the NBA Finals. Nobody's picking them as the Eastern Conference favorites. People think Kevin Durant's going to get traded midseason, potentially. Is this actually the time that they win? Because I'm feeling like it might be the time that they win. The underdog, the underrated situation for the Nets seems to be good, you know? Everyone has averted their gaze from the team, and all of a sudden, Ben Simmons has come out of hiding, and he's like, I could play basketball again. Let's do this. The pressure seems to be off, which is crazy when you think that, you know, a top 10 player in the NBA literally tried to get the coach fired from this team, what, two months ago? It seemingly yeah, is all... It seems to have all turned around, right? I'm, I'm being generous, I know. He's, he's definitely one of the best players in the NBA, by far. And, you know, Kyrie Flat-Earther, man, doing what he does... But yeah, this team on paper is poised to be legit, you know? They still have Seth Curry. Joe Harris, I think, is not injured anymore. He's ready to start shooting basketball. Patty Mills is there. Like, there is good talent across this team. They just have to get their chemistry together, and Steve Nash has to step up and coach. Yeah, he's really got to coach this team because shooting is such a premium in the NBA. It is honestly what makes teams amazing. And not only do they have two of the best superstars who are known to be shooters, I mean, you could maybe say Kyrie's a little bit more of a finisher, uh, but the guy can shoot the lights out too. Kevin Durant is one of the best shooters, has one of the most unguardable shots that we have ever seen in the NBA. By far. And then if you take just the, the role players, if you think about the two best role-playing shooting three players in the NBA... If you're looking for just threes, it's Seth, Seth Curry, Curry and Joe Harris. They got both of those guys. Now, are like this team, I know I was saying Philadelphia might have some issues on defense and like really they they might, but I don't see it too heavily. This team has issues on defense. I mean, TJ Warren isn't even playing, is he? Nope, he's, he they just recently came out that he's got an injury, so he's going to be missing some time. It's definitely the start of the season. I don't think it's going to be a ton, but we all missed Bubba all Warren. last year, did he not? He did, indeed, yep. Like, come on, man. You haven't played in a year, and now you're already hurt again? Like, what are you, glass? Like, to he, me... He's, I was going to say, he sold his soul to the devil so he could have his Bubble Warren performance. That's the only chance. But before you, before you go on, I have to at least bring up one name. You know, you're concerned about defense... They picked up Royce right. O'Neal from, from the Jazz. Dude, I was going to get to Royce O'Neal. He doesn't even up. add anything to this team, man. He's just a big man. Like, okay, great. Like, Nick, Nick Claxton probably going to start over him. And, like, are we saying Nick, Nick Claxton is, like, a, a difference maker on a championship team? No. So, like, it's they, they definitely have a shot, man. Like, Absolutely. Ben Simmons, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, you, you got a shot. That shooting... They're going to have to make some moves to shore up this roster. I like the Markeith Morris signing. Yep. I really like the TJ Warren thing. I thought he was going to be good for this squad, but not having him is, is going to be bad. Losing Bruce Brown, who's probably one of their better players last year, which is like kind second. of sad. Wasn't he not it's the like, second best player in the playoffs for them? Let's be honest here. Well, like 
so like you think about all the names that they lost, like Goran Dragic, DeAndre uh, or Andre Drummond, Lamarcus, Lamarcus Aldridge, Blake. Blake Griffin. The biggest impact is going to be Bruce Brown. <laughs> yep. Like out of all of those names, it's going to be Bruce Brown. And like, hey man, we'll see. I just. Steve Nash has shown nothing as a coach. He's shown that he's getting getting pushed over by these guys, and that is not how you run an NBA team. I I truly believe coaches have a massive impact on the ability to get the best out of their players. And he has shown that not only does he not get the best, he might put them into a worse position. It's, so It's definitely a tough situation to come in and be your first coaching job with the pressure that he had and with the players that he had, sure. It? Right, but it all it all depends, you know. A certain Nick Nurse was able to come in and have no problems, but it's about experience potentially. And Nurse has that experience of coaching rather than what we don't see. And you know, when Kyrie comes out and says, "We don't really, we don't really have a coach. We don't really need a coach," that changes everything. So the Nets are in a weird dynamic. They have a lot to figure out this season. But on paper, on paper, they look like they could shoot the lights out of any team in the league. So. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna wait. That's the ultimate question. Also, Steve Nash needs to like drop some plays. Like you can't just be, hey, get the ball to Kevin, get the ball to Kyrie, and watch them dribble, dribble, dribble. Like there's gotta be some motions. That is literally the hardest way to get a bucket in the NBA. And it's why you need it for the playoffs. But you don't need it on every play, man. Like there are teams in the NBA that run, you know, above average offenses without having any guy near the capability of Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant. Yep. So, like, he's got a, he, you, you would think that a guy who won an MVP, back to back MVPs, for being the guy, a facilitator, the for being a floor general, yeah. for being a offensive genius. Come on, man. Like, drop some plays. Go, go ask Mike D'Antoni and get some tips, bro. <laughs> oh, absolutely. All right. I think, I think we've been mean enough. To Nets fans and this Nets team, let's let's roll into the Knicks real quick. We can talk about the other New York team for a couple minutes before we get to the real juicy content that we're waiting for. Bro, do we even have to talk about the Knicks? <laughs> like, they're gonna be irrelevant again this year unless RJ Barrett turns into Michael Jordan. <laughs> this is a like a last place in the division theme. Um, Mitchell Robinson, great. Jalen Brunson mediocre man like i like jalen brunson i just don't think he's a needle mover with this with this squad like after losing alex burke after losing nerlens noel kemba walker taj gibson like bruh like i think isaiah hartenstein was a really good pickup yep again my whole my whole goal was to see if we could get any positivity out of the knicks and yeah isaiah hartenstein might be it and hey jalen brunson could be sick he could be amazing for this team but he's not Mitchell, you know. He's not Donovan. He's not Kevin Durant. He's he's also a, a take the ball out of RJ's hand. Also like, true. Yeah. You got it. You got it. So Jalen's young-ish, even though he's, he because he was an older draft pick, mm-hmm. even though he's been in the league for only four years or whatever. He's young. He's like twenty-seven, I think. Young-ish. RJ's actually young. I get that Jalen Brunson is probably the better player right now. But if we give RJ the ball and let him develop, could he be better than Jalen Brunson at Jalen Brunson's age? Definitely. So, like, I knew you exactly. exactly. I don't even want we, to talk about we, that, bro. We, like, we I like the Nets it. way more than I like the Knicks. Jeez. That's definitely, I think, the trash. sentiment. I think that's just the sentiment in general about New York right now. People are hoping that the Nets will actually come out and be successful because it could be two 
sad teams in New York come the end of the year. Bro, you know, you know how bad this roster is? They went on and they got Svi Mahailu. Okay. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. Let's talk about the got him. We let him go. We, we're paying him. He's on a guaranteed contract. And we were like, nah, you can have him. In division, don't oh. give, nobody cares. Oh, New York. I did miss shouting out Utah, who's playing for the Nets. So, you know, I gotta got to bring that up real quick before we talk about the Raptors. But, hey. Is it time? Trader, man. <laughs> Bo Cruz. Bo Cruz, baby. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about the legend himself. The new addition, Juancho Hernan Gomez. No. In general, though, when it comes to the Raptors, we're excited. You know, we're two yeah. years removed from Florida. We are coming off of a rookie of the year season. The boys look locked in and primed to go. Media Day was a celebration. I loved hearing from everybody. Scotty looks school. OG looks school. Pascal looks confident and ready to step up like there's a lot of good things to think about well i think the best part for the raptors is that added year of development for scotty uh the fact that last year in the playoffs we lost fred van vliet for the last couple games and it forced us to play a very very big tall lineup where pascal and and, uh, scotty got to handle the rock a lot more and the point guard duties Offensive initiators, as Bobby Webster would like to call it. Um, I think that that's going to be perfect for us. It's going to allow Freddie to do more catch and shoot, which he's an elite NBA player at. Um, It's going to just open up our offense. And I think that we're all very confident. I think OG is going to be a better offensive initiator. Gary Trent. I think Precious is going to be pushing for an all-defensive spot this year. Um, I think that's his stated goal is he wants to be an all-NBA defender. So you look at our roster up and down, and we've got these young budding prospects in Precious, Gary, OG, and Scotty. We've got these two established actual NBA stars. I I wouldn't call them superstars, but they're stars. All-NBA selections, you're a star. And all-star selection last year, you're a star. In Freddie and, and Pascal. And then we've got these great veterans and Thad Young and in Otto Porter Jr. And then some, you know, some like lottery tickets on Delano Benton, Julian or Justin Champagny and, and some of the other boys like Malachi, Poloco, Buddy. This is a top four team in the East. Let's go. Like you, you hit on so many great points and I'm like going through my brain. I'm like, I want to talk about this. Talk about this. I want to talk about this. <laughs> There's so many cool things, you know, like you talk about Fred getting to be off ball more. And I'm like, yes, I've always wanted to see him be more Seth Curry than Steph Curry. You know what I mean? Like that, that's what I've been looking for. And I, Pascal looks so locked in. He talks about how, you know, I've, I've been all NBA. I've been an all-star. Well, what's the next goal? I want to be, I want to be a top five, 10 player in the league, right? Like he wants to be pushing for oh, MVP yeah. votes. But it's the confidence that we want to see under him, right? And then having the team around him with all of these other beautiful places they can go, like, you can't not be excited as a Raptors fan, right? Scotty looks jazzed. And, you know, the fact that Freddie went down and was injured and we got to have the opportunity for him and Pascal to hold more, like, of course we want to see it. Even Nick is like, yeah, we could totally make this happen more. Like, it's going to be a good season. The fact that um, last year, offense and uh, skill was going to be Scotty's weakness going into the season, right? Like, both of yeah. us projected him to have under 10 points a game. Like, oh God, honestly, yeah. I thought if he averaged 10 points a game, it was going to be good, right? Yeah. I thought he was going to be a 10-7-7 seven, seven kind of guy, and that was going to be sick for us, or 10-7-5. And, and that would have been that would have been a great rookie season for the 
original prospect that we were thinking. And now we've got this guy who averaged 15, 7, and 4, or whatever he averaged, and got a full summer of NBA workouts. He, of, you know, proper coaching, of skill development, of shooting 300 corner shots a day. Like, this man, I think, is going to explode. I think 2010 and 5 is well within reason for this man. And if he averages 2010 and 5, and Siakam is pushing for a top 5 conversation, or even top 10 conversation, boy, watch out. Right, and you watch out for them Raptors, and and it's also it seems that the main pieces are locked in on what matters, and what matters to this team is winning. It's straight up winning. Nurse has said it time and time again, and it looks like people are locked in. It looks like Gary Trent is potentially going to accept the fact that yeah, I'm in a contract year, but I'm respected in this organization. This this organization like actually appreciates me while I'm here. So whether or not I need to go out and prove myself, maybe he doesn't think that way. Maybe he thinks, well, I just need to be the player that the team needs me to be, and it'll all figure itself out from there. Like, that's kind of what my dream for Gary comes. Now, obviously, I, I can't get in his brain, and I can't know, but you think about the turnaround that Boucher did, how, you know, Thad is thinking, how Precious is thinking. It seems that once you spend enough time in this organization, the, the mindset gets you in the right place of, we're pushing towards a championship, we're pushing towards winning, we are all in this together, and, like, I'm just so ecstatic for the boys. Well, I think one of the great things that came out of Media Day and Nick Nurse talking was he was like, goal number one is to win. Obviously, we want to win games. We want to win championships. That's goal number one. Goal 1A is to make sure that every single player that comes into our organization leaves a better player or is, is furthering their career and reaching higher heights than they expected to make. And I think that right there, that statement as being yeah. the number two goal for your organization, which is really the number one goal, because like winning is a byproduct of doing that, yeah. is just such an intelligent way to think about it, right? Like we are constantly trying to develop you. I don't care if you're 35 years old, like that young, and you know an established NBA vet. We want you to maybe add a add a skill or or, or fit in here somewhere else. Or if you're Delano Banton, man, and you're, you know, trying to figure out where you're going to fit in the NBA hierarchy. Because, like, we just want development. We just want you to get better. And the wins are going to follow, man. And that's what I love about this roster and this team. We've just, we're like, I would say we're 10 deep. I mean, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, do you get excited hearing that Delano Banton from Nurse himself saying that, you know, Delano was as good as anyone else out there in training? Like, do we have a stealthy Canadian boy who's ready to make the roster rotation is coloco potentially going to get five ten minutes like we have some really interesting questions that really only bring positives because if if delano doesn't show up if coloco doesn't show up i mean i think we're prepared accordingly to survive without them yeah no we have definitely insulated ourselves from needing fringe prospects like malachi like delano like uh justin to really pop we've insulated ourselves from needing that I mean, if they pop, that's just gravy, right? But what we're really looking for and where we're looking for the pop is from the boys that have been starters, had got us, you know, the number five seed in the, in the Eastern Conference last year that pushed that 76ers team when we were down 3 yep. nothing to game six. Um, you know, and that's going to be a huge development for this roster. I think about Precious, man, you know how I wanted him in that draft. Mm-hmm. And if he had made it to the Raptors, 
the Miami Heat put him in a box and they told him, we only want you to do this. Could you imagine if he had always been with the Raptors, how much further along he might be in his development? It yeah. could be, we could be like, you know, this year where, where he ends this year, it could be the start of this year, you know? So I'm just excited for the boys. I think, honestly, we're so big throughout our entire lineup. We don't have one monster, but we've got five monsters on the floor at all times, minus uh, Fred Van Vliet. But, hey, man, I like it. I like our roster construction. I think that – I like the way our, our guys think, our, yeah. our executives. And and also, like, I, I look at Otto Porter as, like, is it the best free agent signing the Raptors have made in the, in the time that we've been paying attention? Probably. Like, he's got the Wild. right veteran mentality. I think that he's going to do wonders for guys like Coloco and Banton and Flynn because, I mean, I don't know how true this is. This is just in my research. But according to Golden State fan base, Otto was the 15th guy brought into the roster last season. He was the last member of their team that was accepted at the end of training camp. And then he went on to be almost a starter in the NBA Finals for them. So, I mean, like, I think that he is a great veteran presence. And, you know, for him and Thad to be basically best friends, like, there is some serious positives that are going to come out of this signing. And to have an NBA champion free agent, you know, not, not an amazing star-level talent, but a veteran NBA champion to join us, and talk about how the similarities exist between the two franchises. What else more do I say? Buddy, I, I honestly, I'm so excited for this team. I'm so excited for our plug and play. I think shooting was our biggest weakness last year. And I think with the with Wancho, with Otto, we've kind of addressed that a little bit more. Yep. Hopefully, Justin takes a step. Hopefully, Delano... You know, and, and we get just m more baseline shooting from our starters. You know, like, let's say Scotty develops a little bit more. Uh, Precious, who, was sh who ended the year shooting 36% almost, let's say he shoots 40% yeah. for the full season, right? Like, we've, we've got so much developmental potential that that's why I love what they did. They didn't, you know, go all in on Kevin Durant. They didn't try to blow up our roster. They didn't try to get a big free agent. They, th they said to themselves, you know, we, we've got potential. Let's see where it is. Let's see what our ceiling can be with these guys. And then work accordingly from there once we have a little bit more of a, a clearer, defined picture. Because at the moment, like, we are as murky as it gets in terms of hierarchy. Like, we, you know, God forbid, knock on wood, nothing bad happens to our team. But if, you know, injury to Pascal here, or Fred there, Scotty, God forbid, you know, bite my tongue. Things can go bad. But, you know, just like any team. But, hey, we could shock a lot of teams and maybe even come first in the eastern conference man there's enough talent to plug and play with all the guys locked in as the way they are and you know we talk about the off ball right if if fred gets to play five minutes a game less a night he's got a little bit more lift in his shots if gary locks in and is like i'm gonna be the off ball shooter for this squad while also being a cutter the way that we know he can be like there's there, like we could speculate for hours for days for months because we have this invested team, these guys who have been here for enough for a while, that if, if you as a fan base have been paying attention, we know where they can all go. We're waiting for it. Meanwhile, there's also OG, who we've barely even talked about, which I'm sure we'll get into in the future, but I'm looking forward to the next few weeks. Preseason is around the corner, and we're going to get to see the boys play. Buddy, apparently OG's been looking absolutely phenomenal. Ah, I can't wait for the, the season to start, man. 
Uh, do you want to go into some mystic predictions? Because I guess that was all of Raptors chat. Yeah, I think we've hit the end of this episode. I mean, like I said, we could talk about the Raptors for days, but we would just be beating a dead horse. The same topic over and over, how we love how Scotty is pumped, how we love how the boys are there. But I think it's time for predictions, my friend. And let me lead the way, all right? Because the past few years I've been down on this franchise and they have never been able to make it past the hump. You know, it started with Kawhi, but... It continued with everything else, but I'm looking at the 76ers, man. You know, we talked about how good they are, and I thought about this before the episode began, and I think you convinced me. They're going to be the top of the East. You know, hopefully it's a little bit of bad mojo, but I can see it happening. Dude, you know what? Uh, I had them at the, you know, pretty top tier of the East last last year, and they look like they've gotten better, so I ain't gonna I ain't going to fight you on it, man. I hate it, but yep. I'm actually going to go with the Nets. Um, I think that people not watching them, people kind of sleeping on them, Kevin Durant being disrespected, Kyrie Irving wanting to prove that he's still Kyrie Irving and, and now not having any COVID you know, issues or whatever. Yeah. Look for this team to win 60 games, man. Like, honestly, look for them to, to shut people down and make them stop talking because, yo, it's Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, man, and... Ben Simmons literally just has to be the level of Ben Simmons that we've seen, and they're good. So I mean, if he gets anywhere close back to the... I'm sorry, we almost talked about him as a Defensive Player of the Year candidate. If even just that part of his game potentially comes back, the Nets are going to be scary, man. I feel like we both just chose like our both Dark Horse contenders on the opposites and, and swapped it there for our predictions. But hey, you know, we, we can't just sit out here and say the Raptors are going to be amazing because, I mean, we know it, but we don't want any bad mojo, you know? Yeah, buddy. You know, I thought about putting it in there. I just didn't, didn't want to jinx it. The curse loves when I say something about the Raptors. It jumps on it, man. It always does. We've been The curse has been asleep all summer, and it's about to come back and smack <laughs> us across the face. So, curse, just go to sleep for Bruh. a little longer. We, we don't need you yet. Why are you enticing it like that? <laughs> all right, my guy. Anything Why else to get back into my life? Oh, no, nah, man, yeah. you're good. You can wrap us up. Perfect. Well, thanks, everybody, for being here. Not you, curse. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Board Sports. Like, subscribe, give us that thumbs up. And check out TheBoardSports.net for new episodes and blog posts. And we'll talk to you next time.